All right. Wow, it's, uh, it's weird to be up here um, because I'm used to Pastor Curtis being up here, right? Um, I, I, have, I have my special uh, shirt on. Uh, the, the reason why I wore this shirt today is uh, Pastor Curtis has one just like it. And, uh, and so I thought maybe if I wear the shirt, maybe I'll be kind of like him. <laughs> um, but in, in all seriousness, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to be, um, be up here because, you know, Curtis was our, our pastor for 16 years. Um, and so it's just very, very strange. Like, you know, he, be, him being here, it, it had a certain sense of um, legitimacy to it, right? It, he brought the legitimacy to church, and now it's... Um, just me. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. Uh, average tenure for a pastor is seven years. So Pat was saying, maybe we took him for granted a little bit. And, and so um, I, I thought the, 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 the party on, on Friday was pretty sad, uh, just, to, just to think through all the memories that we've had with Pastor Curtis. Um, so, so it's pretty sad. Um, and Pastor Curtis did so much, so much for our church, right? Uh, prayer circle and leading Bible studies, uh, leadership meetings, leadership retreats. Um, Speaking every Sunday, uh, we calculated what like 800, 800 Sundays. Um, so that's that's a lot. Um, and now it's just us, right? It's it's just our church family here. Um, what do we do, right? The the big question is, every, everybody's wondering what do we do, right? And so as we get into that, um, we have some uh, scripture that I think kind of fits the time. So um, before we start, let me just pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you for this this day that you've given us, uh, first day without Pastor Curtis, um, but fortunately it's not our first day without you. Um, every day we have you. Every Sunday you're here. Every day when we wake up, you're, you're in our hearts. Um, when we're sleeping, you're in our hearts. And um, so we're, we're grateful for that. We're grateful that you never abandoned us. You never let us go. Um, thank you for, for your presence in our life always. And God, um, as we study the scripture, um, obviously I, I'm not some person who can uh, change people's hearts or, um, or even motivate them to do anything. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and, and, and you, would, you would help us to understand and change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, today we're, we're going to study uh, what, what we talked about with the kids, about, about Saul, right? And, um, and so we're going to start by, by reading scripture, okay? It's in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and I think I have uh, C. C's going to read it out loud for us. All right, thanks, C. Um, so, so here's a little bit of, I, I always like, 
Um, I used to read the newspaper, and when, it, when I heard about wars, I, I couldn't really picture what was going on. So I always like a map, right? And so here's a map of, of Israel and uh, Philistine, right? And you see, like, this, this area here on the, on the west, where the Mediterranean Sea is, um, is the Philistines. And then here is, is where Israel is, right? And so the Philistines actually were constantly kind of... Uh, bullying the Israelites, right? Um, there, was, there was this, like, the, the Israelites actually weren't allowed to have any blacksmiths, okay? So, so the reason why they weren't ha- allowed to have any blacksmiths was so they couldn't make swords, right? And so if they, if they wanted to make, like, a plow or something, they had to go to f- the Philistines and say, hey, can you make a plow for me? And if, if the Philistines heard there was a blacksmith, then they would go and kill them, Right? And so this, this has been going on for a few years now. Saul becomes king, and uh, he's king for a year, and still, and still all this is going on. And so the Israelites are feeling really bad, and, um, and Saul's feeling really super bad. And so, so he decides that, that they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do something here, right? And so this all kind of takes place at this area, okay? This is, um, this is kind of a zoom in of the map. And so Saul takes with him 2,000 men to this spot, Michmash, right? And then, and then Jonathan takes 1,000 men to this Gibeah, okay? And what they're going to do is they're going to attack this Philistine outpost at Geba, right? And so, he ta- so what he does is he goes ahead and he, he attacks them, right? Oh, cool. <laughs> That's, that took me a long time to do. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, the, the, um, so now the, now, the, the, now the Philistines have been attacked. And, and then what happens is he's actually using this as a rallying point, right? He's going to call all of Israel, hey, look, we attacked the Philistines, and we're actually going to fight with them, right? So come and join me at, at um, I think it's Gilead, right? Which is which is actually over here. It wasn't on the map that I found on the internet. Um, so, so they're actually over here now. Um, so there they are. And, and now, what, now what's going on is the Philistines go, hey, you attacked our outpost. This isn't good. We're coming to get you, right? And so I think it's, who's, who's reading next? Um, Leslie. So um, the Philistines are, arrive, right? And they bring with them 3,000 chariots, right? Remember, the Israelites have 2,000 plus 1,000, 3,000 just soldiers, right? And they don't even have swords. They have bows and arrows, right? And so 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and foot soldiers as, number, as numerous as the sands on the seashore, right? Um, I couldn't find a good picture of, of old old soldiers, so I have this one. But that's a lot of soldiers, right? Um, they probably weren't Asian. Um, okay. 
but, but you get the picture, right? It's, it's, um, it's, it's troops as numerous as sands on the seashore, a whole bunch of people, right? And they have more chariots than we have people, right? So, so it seems like, hey, the, the plan is backfiring here a little bit, right? And so much so that everybody's go, running and hiding, right? Some of them are hiding in caves and thickets, and some of them are going um, east, of, east of the Jordan River. They're, they're all running, right? And, and you know what? I can't blame them. Um, I might be amongst so. I, I I would like to say, I, I would be really super brave. I would man up and, and be one of those guys who's, I'm not leaving. But they're scared, right? Because these Philistines, they don't want to just come and say, hey, like a slap on the wrist. They're coming to kill them. Right? It's scary. Um, and, and so, just a little bit of background. Um, in chapter 10, um, Marissa pointed this out to me. Uh, in chapter 10, actually Samuel told, tells him, wait for me for seven days. Wait, Saul, for seven days. Okay? And, um, and actually Saul doesn't, doesn't wait, right? And, and we'll see that right here. My first point is to wait for God, okay? I have a little story to tell you um, about my own life. Um, so, so I used to have this boss, and I'll, I'll name him Todd. Uh, that's not his real name, okay? And I, I couldn't stand Todd, right? Because Todd would tell me everything to do, right? He would tell me, oh, you need to do things this way, you need to do that, you, your meetings need to run like this. And I felt like, oh, man, I, ha- I know what I'm doing here. I, you know, Todd, don't worry about it. I got this. Right? And, and so, every, like, all these times, Todd was making me crazy. Anyway, so, so one day, I have this meeting. It's called a design review meeting, right, where we're going to get together and discuss how our design is, is running and how everything's working and why we can start using it in actual patients. And so the design review was scheduled for 10 o'clock, right? And there's a whole bunch of vice presidents and all these, all these people there, probably people about this many people, um, and so they're all there, and we're all waiting for Todd to show up, right? And so I go, it's like 10.05 now, and the meeting starts at 10, and I'm like, where's, where's Todd, right? And so, and so 10.06 rolls around, I'm texting him, I'm like, where are you? Um, why don't you come? I'm calling him on the phone. And, and so finally I said, at 10.07, okay, seven minutes later, I said, okay, let's start without him. We're going to start without him, right? It's, it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch, right? He, he was supposed to be there at 10 o'clock. He's not there. I gave him seven minutes. 
All right, let's start, right? We can do this without him. We don't need him, right? So, so we went ahead and started without him, right? And, and so as, as I think about the situation with, um, with, with Saul, it feels like kind of the same thing, right? Samuel said he was going to be there seven days later, right? Where's Samuel, right? He couldn't call him on the phone or text him or anything. Where's Samuel? Okay, there's thousands of Philistines here or maybe tens of thousands of Philistines here who want to kill me, right? It seems like maybe we should get going, right? Maybe we should, you know, people are starting to leave here. Like, so there were 3,000 people with him initially. He called people to join him in Gilead, right? And, and then even the people that were with him started to leave, right? He had 3,000 people initially. At the end of everything, he ends up with 600 people, right? So they're all taking off. Why? Because they're scared, right? And if I'm, if I'm Saul, I'm feeling like a failure, right? What, what, what do you do in that kind of situation? What do people tell you to do? Do something, right? We're looking to you for leadership, Saul. Do something, Right? And so, and so our tendency is like, okay, let's, let's, let's do something, right? And so, so I think my, my first point is we need to wait for God. Don't panic. Wait for God. Okay? It's important, right? It's easy to do, really hard, uh, easy to say, really hard to do, right? It's hard to wait. Okay? Was it, was it so bad that Saul didn't wait? Okay? Was it so bad? The reason why we need to wait, okay? We need to wait because God is sovereign, okay? It's not, it's not Saul who's going to defeat the Philistines. It's not him doing something that's going to say, okay, like, like if, if we have this certain strategy, our 3,000 men can de- are, are now 600 men can defeat those 3,000 chariots and uh, troops as numerous as sands on the seashore, Okay? It's because God is going to do something, right? God is going to do something. God does, actually, you know what? God doesn't need the 3,000 people. He doesn't need the 3,000 people to defeat the Philistines. He doesn't even need 600, okay? He only needs two, okay? And actually, he probably could have done it with less, okay? I'm, I'm just guessing. God's that powerful. Okay, in, in December of 2013, that was actually the last time I spoke, okay? It was like uh, almost four years ago. December of, of 2013, and this was complete, some might call it coincidence, okay? Um, complete coincidence or maybe divine intervention. Um, but actually, the last time I spoke, I spoke on 1 Samuel 14, okay? Which is kind of strange, right? It was 1 Samuel 14, and, and the story was the Battle of Michmash. And what, what ends up happening is, after everybody runs away and everything, what ends up happening is Jonathan says, hey, we're, let's, 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 let's not take this anymore, right? And so him and his armor bearer, they pray and they say, if God, if God tells us to, we're going to go and attack. Just me and my armor bearer, okay? And so they end up going and attacking the Philistines, and, and the Philistines get in a panic, and then they all start killing each other and running away, right? Just two people, okay? It just took two, but it wasn't two people alone. It was two people with God, right? Because it's God who is sovereign, 
Okay? It's, not, it's not the 3,000 troops, and it's not how many swords you have. It's God who's sovereign. Okay? So, so something that, um, something that we're, we're talking about before, the last point, right, was what did, what did Samuel do, uh, Saul do that was so wrong? Right? And um, it's interesting... Um, I, here's a little plug for small groups, actually. Um, when I was preparing for this message, I thought, oh, man, you know what we should do? I should study this in small group because they can, they can help me understand this passage a little bit better. Okay, So the, the great thing about so, small group is it's really hard to fall asleep in a small group um, because, because you're, you're actually interacting with people and, uh, and, and you know, everybody, everybody gives a little bit, a bit of input, and it's, it's amazing how the, the passages speak to us. Um, so I really want to encourage everybody, if you want to grow, join a small group. Um, it's where you share life together, and it's where a lot of the insights from this passage have come from. So thank you to, the, to my small group. Um, it was great. Um, but I think what it's interesting, when we're in small group, um, one guy, Al, he always says, take a look at the heart, Right? Because the heart is what's important. And every single time, Al is always bringing us to, like, look at his heart, and that's where you can see his mistake, right? And so, and so, um, so it's true. This is where Saul goes wrong, right? And how do I know this, right? If you look at the passage, okay, in verse 14 it says, Now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Right? Saul, it turns out Saul is not the man after God's own heart, right? Saul is this, um, this guy, um, and Al was telling me this, he's, he's this uh, really, really good-looking, strong man. He's a head taller than anybody else. He's your stereotypical leader, right? He's this guy like, come on, everybody, let's, let's go and defeat the Philistines. He's your typical leader, right? And, and everybody's looking to him, and, and Saul's going, yeah, I can do this. I'm, I'm the man, right? That's not the kind of person that God's looking for, right? God's looking for a man after his own heart, somebody who's humble, somebody who seeks him out. And who does he find as the next king? David, right? David was known as a man after God's own heart, okay? And so, you know, as we talk about this, um, it's God who is sovereign, Okay, we need to wait for God, right? We need to wait because it's God who's going to deliver us from, from, from the enemy. Uh, message point number three. Uh, let's see, who? Uh, Brian or Tina. So this is exciting, right? God will establish his kingdom forever, right? If he had just listened, right? If he had just listened, if he had just humbled his heart, if he had been humble in heart, God would establish his kingdom forever, okay? That's a, that's a powerful, powerful promise, right? If you just listen to me, if you just stick with me, if you just wait with me, okay, I will establish your kingdom forever, 
Okay. Um, so so that's, that's really exciting uh, and a really exciting story that happened thousands of years ago. Okay, how about us? What about us? Okay, as I think about Pastor Curtis leaving, okay, when he first told me, um, he told me at my house, he came to my house and he told me, right? He told me and Glenn at the same time. My first reaction was, oh my gosh. And, and I'm sure it was shocking for all of us, like, because he had been around for so long, 16 years, I was like, this was the last thing from my mind. He said he was going back to the church in Thousand Oaks, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, and then I felt really sad. Okay? I felt like, oh, man. Like, you know, I thought of all the... Normally when I get sad, it's when I think about all the times, all the memories with, with Pastor Curtis. So I felt, I felt really sad. Um, and then the panic uh, set in. It's like, wait a minute. He's going. I'm an elder. Uh-oh. <laughs> and, and then, oh, wait. Pastor Jerry's going to be uh, three-quarter time soon. <laughs> and then half time. It's like, uh, we better do something quick, right? So the temptation was temptation to action, right? Every time you face a situation, you go, okay, what do we do? Like, hurry up. Let's, let's do something, right? But then, I don't know how it came, but we're like, well, maybe we should pray about this, right? Because it's kind of like, oh, maybe we should pray. And, um, and, then, and then as we're praying, the, um, the elders really got a sense of, of we should wait, okay? We should wait on God, okay? Just like the, just like the passage, okay? In, in 1 Samuel, it says we should wait, right? So now we're kind of in the stage of waiting, and waiting's really frustrating for me, right? Because what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? I think um, as, as the elders got together at our elders' retreat, we, we felt like, okay, we're waiting for God to give us some vision, right? And, and we, we do have a little bit of that. We, we, know, we kind of know what um, God is leading us towards a little bit. It, it's a little bit fuzzy. We're trying to get it together a little bit more. Um, and, and we'll keep you posted on that. But we're waiting for God to give us vision, right? We're not waiting for, like, to hire a senior pastor and then the senior pastor will give us vision, right? We're going we're gonna to get the vision and then hire a senior pastor who kind of fits that vision, right? Um, it's, it's a little bit of, like, if you do it the other way around, it's a little bit of cart before the horse, right? Because the vision that God gives us as a church is more important than the man, okay? You can hire, you can hire people, like, and maybe, maybe the, that person won't fit, our, fit the vision that God has for the church, and then all of a sudden, everybody's going in all sorts of different directions, right? And so we're waiting for God to give us some vision, right? What should we do? It's always, what should we do, right? What, what do we do while we're waiting? What are we going to do here, right? Um... You know, there, there's, a, there's a Todd, um, that's not his real name, of course, but Todd did give me a little bit of insight, right? He says that culture eats strategy for breakfast, okay? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. What does that mean? Okay, what it means is, like, we can plan all sorts of strategies, right? But what's more important is the culture in our company, right? If your culture is right, then the people will just automatically do the right thing. Okay, that's, this is a, a 
quote from Peter Drucker. He's a very famous business guy. He writes a lot of books and stuff. Um, but culture eats strategy for breakfast. Okay? Culture is more important. But I would take it even a step back from there. Okay? It's, a, it's about the heart. Okay? It's about our hearts. Okay? We want to be a people after God's own heart. Right? If we are a people after God's own heart, then everything else is going to be easy. Okay? Everything else is going to be a whole lot easier if we are people after God's own heart. Because if we're a people after God's own heart, it's going to be God who does the work. Okay? It's not us who does the work. It's God. Okay? And so this is something that Marissa, Marissa is always trying to tell me. Right? It's not what you do. It's who you are. It's not what you do, it's who you are. Like, if, if you're the right person, everything will just happen, right? So what we really need to do in this time is we need to train our hearts. We need to be in God's word. We need to be reading. We need to be praying. We need to be, we need to be within the presence of God, right? It's not so much doing, it's about being. Okay. God will establish his kingdom here, right here. Okay, just, just, as, um, just, as Sam, just as Samuel told Saul, like he would have established his kingdom forever. If we can be a people after God's own heart, he will establish his kingdom here. Okay, again, it's God who does the work. It's not us. Okay, it's God. Oh, is that it? Okay, um, so, so I think that... Um, that what we really need to do as a church is we need to really stop and we need to pray. Things like small group are great for, um, for gathering us together, changing our hearts, pointing each other towards God. Okay? Things like discipleship, okay? meeting together, our own personal quiet times. Okay? It starts with our own hearts. Okay? And um, as we ask the worship team to come, come up... Um, I'm just going to pray for us, okay? Father, thank you for your word. Um, It's timeless. Um, It it hits us exactly where we're at. And and it strikes me that that you don't need us. Um, We need you. Um, We need you to come over here. And as as the people maybe are leaving... um, going other places. Um, God, we need you. Um, we, we don't want to be afraid. We want to um, know that you will establish our kingdom right here. Thank you, for, thank you for being with us, and thank you for not leaving us. In Jesus' name, amen.